0: Log Talk Radio okay.
1: All right, my minions, welcome aboard. My name is Tom President. Presidente. You will pay homage to me for the next two hours as I am on loan from God. Welcome aboard. We do this thing called The Balance every Saturday morning. Uh, and We break down the crazy world of sports, and we can see clearly now, as we name the title of our show today, well, we think we see pretty clearly who the college football playoff uh, scenario is but hey, it's championship Saturday there might be some chaos sprinkled in through there I think Notre Dame is pretty safe we're going to get into that with the crew here in just a minute, Rick Regan executive producer of the of the balance and Matthew Embry of uh, gets up all the time but it's up from South Bend uh, in the Notre Dame flagship station also, we're going to have uh Buckeye Adam on, our, our world-famous uh, crazy Buckeye fan has been on with us before. Adam Jividen will be on at the bottom of the hour here. Talks a Big Ten championship talk up. Them Ohio State Buckeyes against Northwestern. I didn't see that one coming. I kind of thought it was going to be Wisconsin at the beginning of the year. And then we're going to get into some NFL talk in the second hour. Mo from the BS Sports Show is going to join us as well. So stick around. It's about to get good right here on the Balance Radio Network. 917-889-8516 is our digits. Tonight.
2: The Air National Guard, Guarding America, Defending Freedom.
3: It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant ewing, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive-through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure.
0: Welcome back to the Balance. My name is Tom marcusell President.
1: Take time to get this thing teed off. Nine one seven eighty nine eight five one six is our digits. Let's bring in the crew. Rick Reagan, Executive Producer of the Balance, calling us south of the border down, or almost south of the border down in Evansville, Indiana. How is you, sir?
6: Hey, pretty good. Tom, how are you doing?
1: It's a rainy, rainy day here uh, at yeah. the Balance Studios. And. <laughs> but hey, we're, we're going to survive and we're going to make it. Also uh, joining us is Matthew Embry, uh, who is also our official car contributor, Notre Dame contributor, uh, all-around contributor, uh, Matthew Embry, who's calling us up to get this right. He's calling us from up in the South Bend area, 96.1 WSBT. See, I got it right. Matthew, how are you, sir?
7: Crazy how this job works, uh, you know, with uh, now things shifting over to Boys Basketball, Mishawaka, Ron Heklinski, of course, the former coach of the Anderson Indians, getting the victory last night. And uh, a lot of questions and a lot of uh, chaos. And I can think of a couple teams uh, in Michigan and UCS that would love to see a little chaos today.
1: Yeah, we'd like to see some chaos. It is championship Saturday. Let's start with the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Yes, they're still in the number three slot i thought they would move up to number two but hey clemson is is uh, providing a roadblock for you but certainly one of the things they're not doing it appears that we we, we only have that number four slot to, to fill it appears by all accounts there's no way that notre dame is going to miss the playoffs if it does it is going to be total hell's going to break loose we'll start with you rick uh let's uh, take a look obviously notre dame's the season is over undefeated how about that didn't see that coming Maybe the stage was set last winter uh, for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish to go undefeated. Rick,
6: what are your thoughts? Well, Tom, I will start off the show by totally agreeing with you. You know, this has been the common thing now the past two or three months, right? <laughs> yeah, I always hate when we start off the show agreeing with each other. You know, it makes for a very boring show. But you're
1: That's absolutely right, right. right. We'll have to change that around. Uh, th-
6: yeah, the, the Irish are, are locked in. The only thing I can see happening to the Irish is if, and Matt maybe uh, we'll get to him in a second because he might agree with this too, if Georgia happens to beat Alabama, I can see where Alabama might just drop down to three and just slide Notre Dame back to the number four spot. That potentially could happen. But other than that, as far as Notre Dame is concerned, uh, is concerned, there's no chaos. They they are safe, safely in the playoffs, Matt.
7: I think the only reason that they would drop the 3-4 to four is that they don't want to see a rematch uh, between uh, Alabama and Georgia in the first round. They would love to see one in the championship game, potentially. That's the only reason why I'd see them dropping. But uh, I think if you're a Notre Dame fan, you are hoping that you get Clemson. Because I think a Clemson-Notre Dame matchup as opposed to a Notre Dame-Alabama matchup is a more winnable game. Now, granted, uh I call my colleagues here, uh, WNDU's uh, Chuck Freebie, for instance, doesn't think that they can get through a semifinal game. But uh, I think if you look at uh, the scenarios right now, you are hoping Alabama holds serve against Georgia. So there is no scenario where there's a possibility that Notre Dame could drop to four and then have to play Alabama in round one. So what you are hoping for is Georgia does not beat Alabama today if you're a Notre Dame fan.
1: Yeah, absolutely. If you're Notre Dame fan, you're rooting for the Bulldogs all day long, every day. Uh, Rick, one of the things that you got to look at is uh, what. No,
7: no, no. You're actually looking for the Tide to win that game because you don't want to play Alabama in round one. So actually, you're pulling for Alabama, not the Bulldogs.
1: Thanks for the correction there, Matthew. You're rooting for the, the Alabama Crimson Tide. Roadside, but uh, what? Ha- let, let's let's talk about the scenario that Matthew just talked about. the 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 worst scenario possible that you would think would be that Notre Dame and Alabama could, could they're totally two different teams, totally two different schemes. Rick, what are your thoughts? If you meet Alabama, are you scared?
6: Well, I would like Notre Dame to uh, make the playoffs and at least make a showing and not have a repeat of twenty twelve, uh, because I feel. Notre Dame does not match up just like the rest of the country really doesn't match up that well with Alabama. But I think even though this year's team, I, I feel, at Notre Dame anyway, is better than the 2012 team, I still feel like that would be the best possible matchup from the from the Alabama side of things. They will want to play us instead of Clemson or Georgia or Oklahoma or, or Ohio State uh, in the first round. If Nick Saban could choose his opponent, he would pick Notre Dame – First, because that is the best possible matchup for him. It's the worst possible matchup for us.
1: Well, guys, let's talk about a scenario that may or may not happen. Probably won't happen. We still, we we, we feel like we know. Uh, our smart brains feel like we know, but every time we figure out think that we have the NCAA playoff, uh, college football playoffs figured out, uh, we we don't. And there's always something that happens. It's, it's championship Saturday. Uh, you've got Oklahoma at 11-1. At and one. You've got uh, Ohio State 11-1. and one. No way Michigan could get in there. That number four slot, uh, you look at Ohio State, if they win tonight, that, that, that could give them a look. And no one would have ever thought that they would be in the playoffs. Uh, two teams that the committee always likes to see in the playoffs, for whatever reason, is Ohio State and Alabama. Uh, does Ohio State find a way to get into the playoffs if they beat Northwestern tonight, Rick?
6: Uh, The only scenario I can see where Ohio State gets in is they need Alabama to win and knock Georgia out, and then Oklahoma needs to lose. That is the only way I see Ohio State getting in. The worst thing they could do today is if Georgia somehow beats Alabama, Georgia's going to be locked in. The Final Four is already going to be locked at that point because it will be Georgia, Alabama, Notre Dame, and Clemson and then Ohio State will go in that game tonight knowing they have nothing else to play for because Georgia beat Alabama, and that would lock up the, the playoff spot. But Bama needs to win today. Oklahoma needs to lose. For me, anyway, that is the only way uh, Ohio State gets in.
1: Rick, what are your thoughts? Who gets into that number four slot, and do you think it's going to be Ohio State, do you think it's going to be Oklahoma, or do you think it's going to be Georgia?
7: What I think is going to be the key thing is how – Convincingly, Oklahoma plays because they have looked very shifty with their defense the last several weeks. What I think happens if Alabama wins, if Oklahoma either loses or barely survives in the Big Twelve championship game, and Ohio State convincingly beats Northwestern, the lost, the win to Michigan, I think, is the biggest win that's out there on the table right now. And I think even with that loss to Purdue, I think that would be enough to for the committee, at least some of the committee, to vault Ohio State ahead of Oklahoma and put him in that number four spot. I'm not saying that's gonna happen. But uh even though yeah, you have a good player in Kyler Murray with Oklahoma, their defense is I mean, they fired their defensive coordinator midway through this season. I mean If you're expecting Oklahoma to get into the playoff and do some damage, unless they score 70, 80 points against Alabama, it's just not going to happen. So unless uh, they blow out or win convincingly today, I still think Oklahoma is on a slippery slope and has reason for the committee to keep them out of the tournament. Now the ultimate scenario, though, Tom, is think about this. With those two teams, what happens if Alabama wins and both Oklahoma and Ohio State lose. Do you put Michigan back in? Do you put UCF in? I mean, what do you do at that point? I think that's the nightmare scenario for the committee is if Alabama wins and Oklahoma and Ohio State both lose, then you have to make a hard sell as to why you would put like a team like a UCF or a Michigan in the number four spot.
0: Hey,
1: uh, Rick, you know, let's talk about this Oklahoma-Texas game today. I mean, it's, you know, maybe it's horns down. I don't know if you saw that story. That was kind of a joke to see what I did there. Uh, With with, with the Sooners, man, I tell you what, Oklahoma, number five, uh, ready, knocking on the door, they've got – this is a must win for them. But I tell you what, Texas – can create some chaos for the college football playoff scenario as matt was just talking about let's talk a little bit about the texas longhorns and the oklahoma Sooners. the we know the committee doesn't want the the the, the uh big 12 uh, the, the big 12 in the the playoffs we say that because that's what they've shown us they've had time and time and time of opportunity year after year after year to have a, a an opportunity where they can have someone from the uh, from the big 12 in, the, in there and it never happens they would much rather see uh, ohio state than oklahoma in that scenario if that is what plays out let's let's break it down a little bit deeper at uh, texas and oklahoma today
6: Well, real quick to uh, get on what Matt was just talking about, and uh, I think it it is great. It's a great point by him. It is actually the thing that I am rooting for as well, and we can unpack what he's talking about. That nightmare scenario, what does the committee do if Bama wins, Oklahoma and Ohio State both lose? Does UCF, even without their quarterback, McKenzie Milton, who just went down to a broken leg, uh, do they go ahead and just shut their fan base up and give them a shot, or are we going to see our first-ever two-loss team into the uh, college football playoff if that scenario plays out. I think what Matt just brought up is probably – it's it's the one thing I'm rooting for today, actually. It should be what the rest of the country should be rooting for. Since our show, we love this college football chaos, that would be the chaos that we would all be looking for today.
1: Well, we do love chaos, don't we? Well, let's kind of – Go through these games, Matthew, we'll get your thoughts real quickly here on uh, number 14 against number five, Oklahoma on paper. One would think that that Oklahoma could win, but speaking of chaos, uh, uh, Texas can bring it, and then we'll we'll go into some of these other games that we got on tap today uh, as far as the the playoff implications go anyway. Uh, Texas and Oklahoma, Matthew, what are your thoughts?
7: I think right now Texas uh, could find a way to put uh, the clamps on Kyler Murray. I think Oklahoma could have a problem in this game. Uh, th- like I said, their defense has looked horrendous uh, the last several weeks. I mean, you cannot keep giving up 50 points every single game and still find ways to win every single time. And I think eventually it's going to catch up to Oklahoma. It may not. with It's tough to beat a team twice during the regular season, and Texas has that uh, deal to deal with. But I think uh, looking ahead to the playoffs uh, – unless Oklahoma can short their defense at least limit to say in the 20s or 30s, they're going to have a hard time, uh, I think, getting into the championship game in Santa Clara.
1: Matthew, I mean, uh, yeah, Matthew, as we go on into this Alabama game, and we talk about Alabama and Georgia, huge implications uh, going on uh, here. As you, as you mentioned or alluded to earlier, all those game fans are rooting for is Alabama and or and or a top to to win this game. Keys to the game: Alabama uh, versus Georgia.
7: Well, obviously, Georgia's defense has got to find a way to you know put some clamps down on either the rushing attack of Alabama or to attack of dual threat ability. And then uh, Jay Fromm and the offense is going to have to have a huge day. I'd say, you know, 300, 400 yards against an Alabama defense that has been rock solid. I think it's going to take a number in that range uh, to give them any chance to get to the number of points necessary to keep up with Alabama. But I think right now the big question is, if it's close, how the game plays out at the start of the second half has been the issue with teams trying to beat Alabama. The Citadel got pasted in the second half after they were tied at the half with Alabama a couple weeks ago. Same scenario happened to Auburn. If Georgia's close, can they survive that early flurry in the second half? If they can, they've got a chance. But if they can't, uh, Alabama, I think, is going to win this game and they'll win it uh, convincingly.
1: Rick, obviously Alabama has been a very dominant team. We, we love to hate Alabama, but you've got to give credit to uh, Coach Nick Saban, who's orchestrated probably the most dominated regular uh, season in SEC football. Uh, Kirby Smart is a uh, 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 Nick Saban protege, if you will. And uh, certainly they, they know each other's coaching styles well. How well do you think knowing each other's coaching styles Come into play when you try to get in the head of the of of the other coach. It's like, hey, I trained him. I know what he's going to do here. I know what he's going to do here. That's what Saban's thinking, uh, and uh, Kirby Smart's thinking. Hey, I, I work for this man. I know this is what he's going to do. I know this is what it's going to do. This is a huge relationship uh, between Kirby Smart and Nick Saban. What are your thoughts?
6: Yeah, and it, it's a really good point, and I think that plays a huge role in this game. Actually, uh, knowing. Uh, what Alabama can do on defense, obviously obviously, because Kirby Smart was the defensive coordinator there. Uh, Then I think the coaching strategies and everything, to me, look pretty similar. So then it comes down to talent on the field, and we see what Alabama's done against LSU and Mississippi State. Uh, They don't even let their opponents off the ground early in games. What Georgia needs to do is is get some points on the board early. You know, maybe go total-to-toe with Alabama in the first half. Uh, Trade some points, trade scores, or maybe don't let Tua, Tongo Bailoa, throw the ball over the yard in the first half, you know, because Alabama is going to come out and try to suffocate Jake Fromm, suffocate that running game against Georgia, and not even let Georgia get off the ground early. Georgia needs to avoid that to have a chance in this game.
1: And let's not forget, um, guys, uh, Jake Fromm, uh, originally committed to Alabama, quarterback for Georgia, originally committed to Alabama. So there's that key factor as well. Uh, Matthew, when you look at the relationships between Kirby Smart and uh, Nick Saban, of course, as we just mentioned, Jake Fromm was once committed to play at Alabama. This is going to be a knockout, dragout game. I think a lot of people think that this is going to be probably one of the uh, best games of the season. But there again, if Alabama could figure out a way to do what they've always figured out a way to do, this might be a non-issue. We might just be talking about nothing at this point. But it certainly has all the makings of a great battle today.
7: Again, it depends on Georgia's performance. I think we know Alabama's going to bring their A game. There's no question about that uh, right now, Georgia's defense. And I think for Notre Dame fans, keep in mind, uh, they have to go to Athens next year to play the Bulldogs during one of the early parts of the season. So uh, based on the performance of Georgia the next few weeks, it gives you an idea of what Notre Dame may have to deal with uh, when they head to Athens uh, early next year.
1: Well, they're going to be important on both sides that they win that turnover explosive uh, game that they both play for turnovers. Uh, Obviously, they've got to control that. Rick, how does Georgia and Alabama control that turnover game? I think the person that that wins that game very well could win today's uh, contest.
6: Well, I I think with uh, Swift and Holyfield, the running backs of Georgia is going to dictate a lot of that. They need to get the running game going against Alabama and take some pressure off Jake Brahms and take – takes them away from making these uh, tight throws and pressure throws. If they can soften up Alabama a little bit up front, and that, that's a tall task. Uh, I think Georgia has a real good shot in this game by getting
7: the running game going.
0: The Georgia thing, thing right has now ev-
7: with Georgia as well is they got to avoid penalties. They cannot afford these, you know, second and long, second and 20s, third and 15s, third and 10s. That's where Alabama's defense uh, goes to town. So I think right now playing a disciplined game also is going to be key for Georgia, especially, you know, avoiding the false starts, the holdings, and all that stuff. Uh, they cannot afford to put Jake Farm in situations where he's got to make a big player. He's going to have to force a throw because that's where you risk the situation of turnovers, a bad throw, a possible fumble, blindside hit. I mean, there's a lot of things that can go wrong there. So I think a disciplined game also is going to be key uh, if Kirby Sparks boys uh, want to have a chance.
1: Well, and also one thing to remember about Georgia is that is a very uh, powerful tool they have. They have a very good secondary, and they have a very good scheme. Their players do a really good job of executing and disguising it on the back end. So we'll see. Let's uh, – uh, Rick, we're kind of a lot of times we like to look at last year compared to this year. If we look at last year's Georgia compared to this, George, let, this Georgia. I wouldn't say there's a lot of changes. I would say there's a lot of improvement uh, into, to the game when you compare last year's Georgia Bulldogs to this year's Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, what do you come up with?
6: Well, I wouldn't say Holyfield and, and Swift are dynamic as Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb in the running game. <laughs> uh, that's kind of yeah, kind of where where they're lacking. Uh, but uh, defensively, yeah, uh, you're right there. They have they have a pretty good secondary, and uh, you know, they still have Ridley uh, there on offense. They have playmakers on offense, and receivers can open up and soften up that secondary of Alabama. Uh, uh, but Alabama is just so disciplined uh, on defense, and Georgia's going to have to score some points early. They're going to have to. They're going to have to get up off the mat early because, like I said, Bama likes to suffocate these other teams early in games, and Georgia is going to have to avoid that.
1: Matt, real quickly, let's talk a little bit about the Alabama Crimson Tide. They're 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 a beast. They are a beast, and I don't I, I know Notre Dame does not want to play them in the playoffs. Notre Dame doesn't want to see them at all. But if Notre Dame wants hope for a championship, let's face it, the reality might come. Something's going to come to a head between Notre Dame and Alabama meeting. But Alabama has proven time and time again. As much as we love to hate Alabama, they have proven that they could get the job done. Are they going to do anything different than they already know in Alabama? Alabama? Uh,
7: could you repeat that for me there? You were breaking up a little bit there for me.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. I said, do we think that Alabama is going to do anything different than what we've seen Alabama do time and time and time again? And that's just, even if they don't dominate uh, Georgia, they find a way to win. They always find a way to win. Does Alabama, again, find a way to win?
7: Well, again, I think the situation is influenced on the opponent. Is the opponent going to be, you know, petrified of the situation like we've seen Alabama opponents been recently and throughout this last several years? Or are they going to take uh, control of the situation? Because you look back at that LSU game, and LSU got the early jump on them in Death Valley this year, and Georgia never recovered. If that happens again, uh, does Georgia have a recovery uh, strategy to play Alabama? And uh, If you go by the LSU game, where are they – Really struggled despite the fact LSU does not have one of the better quarterbacks of the SEC at Joe Burrow's. Uh, I think that tells me a lot. Uh, if Alabama gets early lead and Georgia falls behind, the big question in my mind is could Georgia find a way to come back? Unlike what happened when they played LSU in uh, Baton Rouge.
1: Well we'll certainly see that 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 question is yet to per- pertain Rick we're going to let you walk us into championship Saturday we're going to be talking about the Ohio State uh, Buckeyes and Northwestern as well as some other games but as we walk across the board and championship Saturday what are the things we're looking at what are the key points that we're looking at obviously not every game has a playoff uh, contention uh, implication uh, but certainly there's some good games on tap on championship Saturday.
6: Yeah, and we'll just uh, go with this, assuming Alabama is is going to beat Georgia today. uh, What you really want to look for is the Oklahoma-Texas game and the Ohio State-Northwestern game. Uh, How good Oklahoma is going to look against Texas? Can they avenge that loss? Can they run the score up? Is it going to be a close game? And what the committee would think about a game like that, and then the Alabama-Northwestern game, uh, how that would go, because I feel – Ohio State is probably going to win that game, and I feel like Urban Meyer is going to run the score up in that game, even though Northwestern is pretty solid on defense. Uh, I don't think it might. It would be a scenario like last week against Michigan where Ohio State scores 62 points, but I do think Ohio State tries to run the score up on, on Northwestern just to make it look pretty for the committee when it comes to time to decide for that number four spot tomorrow. Uh, but those thats what you want to look for—is this Ohio State and this Oklahoma game this weekend?
1: Well, absolutely. I think that's what everybody's looking at. Uh, but uh, let's let's talk. We're going to get into more about the Ohio State game here in just a minute. Uh, Matt, I want to talk about Michigan. Michigan uh, uh, totally just fell apart last week. Uh, they 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 kicked themselves out of any hope of a playoff uh, a prediction. What kind of a bowl do they get to? They're going to a bowl, that's obviously. But let's go back to what I've said before. Jim Harbaugh has saved his job maybe for another year, which he did. I'm certain of that. But at the same time, uh, Michigan was nowhere to be found last week, and it, and it showed on the field, and now it shows with a loss.
5: Well, if Ohio
7: State gets to the playoff, then Michigan's probably going to head to Pasadena to play Washington, uh, the Pac-12 championship champions of the Rose Bowl. Uh, it just depends on what happens in that game, but I think right now, if you're Ohio State, you're our key on stopping Bowser. I think Bowser's had a big game for uh, Northwestern, especially against uh, Notre Dame. He had a big uh, performance on the ground. So if uh, they could put the clamps down on Bowser, Ohio State's defense and force uh, the passing game to do some da- or do some damage. Uh, Notre Dame did, I think, a lot better job controlling the pass than they did the run in their matchup at Evanston. So I think. Uh, if they can put the clamps on Bowser, I think there's going to be a very good chance Ohio State wins this game convincingly today.
1: Rick, what are your thoughts, Ohio State and Northwesters. We're going to get into the more deep of that here in just a moment, but what are your thoughts there? And also, what are your thoughts about Michigan just totally collapsing last week?
6: Yeah, in a way, you kind of saw that coming with Michigan. I mean, i I, I feel like I did anyway because they were getting hyped up and – their defensive numbers were looking gaudy and were the top defense or top three defense in the country, but they're beating up on all the uh, lower <clears throat> excuse me lower end teams here in the Big Ten. And, uh, you know, so that that's what had everybody fooled, I guess, into thinking they're really a great team. Uh, with this game tonight with Ohio State, uh, I still question that defense. They still put up 39 points or – Michigan still put up 39 points against them last week, and Michigan's offense is really its really vanilla. It's a boring offense. So, Ohio State has a lot of questions on on defense still, and I think that's going to play in tonight. But if they can stop the running game, because that's what is going to try to do is control the ground, control that clock, and, and keep them within striking distance today. But if they can put the clamps on like Matt said against Bowser, uh, I think it's going to be a long day for Northwestern, and I think Ohio State can run the score up.
1: Matt, we, we've talked about Florida a couple times uh, this this year. Uh, here's my prediction for a bowl game, and it's the, the Peach Bowl and Michigan meet together in the Peach Bowl. How far off am I on that prediction?
7: I think right now it just depends on where things lay out. Uh, it might be a possibility. I expect Michigan to get in the New Year's Six, but uh, – who knows, maybe it's against someone like a UCF or, you know, an LSU or one of those teams. I'm not sure if it's going to be Florida or not. It uh, depends on because if it's Florida, then you would have a scenario where you have four teams from the SEC getting in, and uh, that may be a little bit far-fetched. But uh, be very curious to see what the committee does with the other do your Six games and uh, especially where UCF is going to wind up.
1: All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to get into more championships Saturday. We're going to get in, uh, break down to the keys of the game with this Ohio State Northwestern game, Big Ten championship game right here in our backyard in Indianapolis tonight. And uh, we're going to be talking with Adam Jividend, huge Ohio State Buckeye fan uh, as well.
0: So stand by. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network.
2: The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom.
3: It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals, see live educational shows, feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure.
1: Welcome back to the balance half hour in the books, 917 889 is our digits. My name is Tom Marquisele, Presidente. Welcome back. We are continuing our college football conversation with the crew. Joining us also now is Adam Jividin, the world's biggest Ohio State Buckeye fan. Adam, welcome back to the balance. How is you, sir? I'm doing
8: good, Tom. How are you?
1: Fantastic! Also joining us is our crew executive producer of the balance, Rick Riggan. Uh Rick, are you still with us, sir? Uh,
6: that's a negative, Tom.
1: That's a negative. That's a negative. And also joining us from up in South Bend 96.1 WSB, uh, the flight for the Nova Game, Matthew Embry. Matthew, are you back with us, sir?
7: And don't forget on WSBT today, we have two championship games. We have the Big 12 game coming up this afternoon, or the SEC game coming up this afternoon, followed by JIP. We will join in progress the Big, Big Ten matchup between the Ohio State Buckeyes and Chicago's Big Ten team, the Northwestern Wildcats.
1: Well, let's get into this. Uh, uh, Adam, should we should we do something? Cause let's get ready to rumble. Adam, kind of been a, a rocky season, if you will. We we started out uh, with uh, some uh, scandal, if you will, with Urban Meyer. Uh, it, it's felt like Urban Meyer hasn't been in the picture. It's felt like Ohio State hasn't been the way they've been in the past. Uh, they found a way to get to the championship game. Do they find a way to get in the playoffs? My guess your answer is going to say yes, but – Hey, congratulations to the Ohio State Buckeyes getting into the Big Ten Championship. I actually thought at the beginning of the season that was going to be you guys in Wisconsin, Uh, certainly here in Indianapolis, uh, every hotel is booked, uh, every bar is full, the atmosphere is ringing, Big Ten Championship is here, Ohio State Buckeyes and Northwestern. What are your thoughts about your whole Ohio State Buckeyes, Adam?
8: Uh, You know, this this was a challenging year for us. Um... The, the thing that was interesting about this team is is having Urban Meyer miss those first few games, I think you're just now starting to see what's a very young roster um, start to kind of round into shape. Um, obviously, we've missed the, the, the loss of, of Nick Bosa, um, and uh, who, who may be the best defensive player in all of college football. Uh, a lot of mock drafts have him going first or second, kind of depending on who's, who's drafting up there at the top. Uh, so we're missing him, but, but, but last week to be able to beat the brakes off of uh, that team up north uh, felt real good. Um, I think our offense is not nearly being regarded at the level that it should be. You know, you hear people rant and rave about Oklahoma, um, other schools like West Virginia, the offense that Alabama's put on the field, but, um, you know, Dwayne Haskin leads the number two um, offensive attack in the country. Uh, and has done so against some pretty good defenses. Um, Do I think we get in the playoffs? I don't know. I I think we should. I think if you actually sit down and take the team names off of the paper and you look at um, statistically, uh, we are significantly better than Oklahoma on defense. Oklahoma is ranked 111th, and I think we're checking in at 69, which by Ohio State standards is still not good. Uh, but has been uh, – but, but last week showed um, how well we could play um, while while posting the number two defense in the country – or excuse me, not the number two offense in the country. I think um, both of our top two wins on the road at Penn State and then beating Michigan, as I said, are better than the single win that uh, Oklahoma has. But I think if you listen to the uh, – the playoff committee, I think they've kind of just made up their mind. They know what they're getting with Oklahoma, and they'd rather know what they're getting than take the potential, and then you know, I, I also don't know how much of this is uh, is, is driven by what, what happened at the, at the start of the year with Urban Meyer, um, but we'll see. You know, I, I, I definitely could see a scenario where Oklahoma and Texas is a tight game, or Oklahoma even loses, and I think tonight, I, I don't see a similar situation to 2014 when uh, we beat Northwest or excuse me, when we beat Wisconsin, 59 to nothing. But I see something fairly similar. I don't think Northwestern has the athletes to keep up with with our offense, with Dwayne Haskins throwing to Paris Campbell and Johnny Dixon, um, Terry Mc, Indianapolis's own Terry McLaurin, um, Chris Olave, uh, our running back attack led by Webb and, or Weber and Dobbins. Uh, Farrell at tight end, um, Barry at tight end. I just don't think they can keep up with it. That's a lot of weapons on the field, and and I think Northwestern keeps it close for about a half, kind of like what you saw up against that team up north. But then at, it, it, it it in the third quarter, uh, you'll you'll see it start to just uh, turn the tide, uh, if you will. And I I, I could see a, a scenario where we post like a 21-28 point quarter um, in the third quarter and just. Completely outpaced Northwestern, winning handily.
7: Adam, well, certainly we'll look we'll back see at the records right now, and considering that if Ohio State does get left out, will the main reason be looked upon the performance in West Lafayette as the reason that they would be omitted from the uh, top four? Assuming everybody wins today. Oh, absolutely.
8: I, I, I think um, I. I Frankly, if, if they had even won that game by one point, we wouldn't be talking about this right now. Um, that game w- was the stereotypical classic trap game where Purdue had everything going for them. Um, we played at absolute garbage
0: <laughs> and, and,
8: and, got, and got our butts kicked. Um, no, I, I think that's absolutely what we're talking about. If, if it was even close, I don't even think uh, that would be a concern right now. But I think the playoff committee is looking at it going, do we want to put them in against Alabama? Because which team will show up? The team that, that scored 62 points on, uh, and could have been more, on Michigan? Or, or is it going to be the team that got smoked in West Lafayette that night?
1: Rick, Rick, an executive producer of The Balance. Rick, you're up. I tell you what. One of the things that we talk about in an election year, uh, so go Ohio, so go the country, so go Oklahoma, uh, so go the playoffs. Uh, what, what are your thoughts? And as you listen to Adam talk about uh, his uh, Ohio State Buckeyes, makes some very valid points, but certainly makes some points from from a fans' uh, uh, perspective. What are your thoughts? Any questions you have for Adam, Rick? Well,
6: I think Adam and Matt right now are both right about that loss to uh, Purdue. That is the, If it was a closer loss, maybe we're not looking at Oklahoma being ranked ahead of Ohio State right now. Or even if it was you a know, one-point win, then we'd, Ohio State would definitely be ranked ahead of Oklahoma. That's the problem Ohio State has right now is Oklahoma just being ranked one spot ahead of them. And if they beat Texas today, I see that Texas game. Being a bigger win than the uh, Northwestern win would be, so that's why I feel like Ohio State's going to run the score up against Northwestern, or at least try to, and try to make that win look great in the eyes of the committee. And Matt, I do have a question, and since Matt is, uh, or Adams here, we can get his thoughts on it too if he saw any of this, because I feel like there's a little bit of smoke with this, but not sure if there's any fire just yet. But we saw reports come out yesterday that. Urban Meyer is going to coach one more season at Ohio State next season and then retire, and Ryan Day is going to take over. So, Matt, have you heard anything about that? Is there any fire at that smoke?
7: I, don't, I haven't heard anything of that personally. I think you, Adam, being the you know the expert, of this would be the better question right now. But again, uh, you have an Urban Meyer that has gone through some stressful and some bumpy roads. Uh, he did it Utah, did it Florida. Uh, had he gotten the Notre Dame job, uh, Lord knows what might have happened uh, in South Bend. They consider certainly now. That's a scary thought uh, to think about, Rick, to be honest, being the Notre Dame fans that we are. But uh, you look at the Ohio State situation, uh, could he have handled it better? Maybe. But uh, uh, the stress situation, and this is a guy that just does not seem to handle stress very well. And I think right now, if, you know, the stress things happen and those rumors come up during the offseason, uh We could be looking at a one-and-done scenario, but uh, I'm not sure if Ryan Day is going to be the coach. I think there are other possibilities that they could look at right now. I think you just saw Utah State's coach uh, go to Texas Tech, so there are some opportunities out there, but I don't think necessarily Ryan Day would be the guy.
1: Adam, we're going to get your thoughts on that here in just a moment. One of the th- things that I thought that I, I'm glad they brought up this coaching thing with Urban Meyer because I honestly think he's done at the end of this season. And I, 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 I've heard uh, a lot of rumblings, of course, uh, uh, not always where there's smoke, there's fire, but a lot of times where there is smoke, there is fire. So there's a there's two different fires here. I've heard that this is it for him and, and that uh, there, there's a possibility he'll be headed up to Cleveland Browns to be the head coach next year for the Cleveland Browns. Adam?
8: All right. Going to tackle these one at a time.
0: One is <laughs> Urban
8: retire after the 2019 season. I could absolutely see it. Um, Urban's son will have graduated uh, from Columbus uh, uh, or from high school in Columbus next year. Uh, he's a junior in high school right now, and um, I, I could see him retire. He wants to spend a lot more time with his grandkids. Um, if you saw the sidelines, his wife Shelley was really emotional during the Michigan game. And I think a lot of that was just a sign of a lot of the stress that they've been through, uh, over the last, uh, you know, six months. I, I, he, there's also a lot of documented history about the, uh, the cyst that urban is carrying in his brain. Um, it can no longer be operated on, which means that the migraines that he has that are stress related were, are, are only going to get worse. But what I see urban moving to is a scenario, um, Similar to, to what um, other coaches have done in the past, I know Jim kind of is, is currently the president of, of Akron. I, while I don't think he'll be the, the president of the, uh, of, the, of the university, I could see a scenario where Urban moves into like an assistant athletic director role. Um, Gene Smith is getting close to retirement himself, and I could see Urban stepping in there and being able to help promote the football team and work with the football team. And do I think that Ryan Day is going to be the head coach? Yes, I do. Um, word came out um, from the Columbus Dispatch yesterday that Ryan Day was set to is set to receive a significant um, raise, uh, essentially to be that coach in waiting. He was incredibly impressive during uh, the the, the three game slate that that he uh, uh, when he was the interim coach, and a lot of the young coaches that are with him. Um, and a lot of the former players absolutely love him. I know for a fact um, in his press conferences, um, wide receivers coach Brian Hartline, a former Ohio State um, player and receiver for the Miami Dolphins, um, talked about Dave, um the, the, the offense that Dave runs, the way that Dave loves getting uh, tons of people involved. James Laurinaitis on his radio show in Columbus, former um, All-American and uh, middle linebacker, uh, for the St. Louis Rams has gone on record saying that if Ryan Day was a head coach, he would love an opportunity to coach the linebackers. Uh, I, I think you're going to see a youth movement in Columbus led by a lot of potential superstar coaches um, by Ryan Day within the next two years with Urban Meyer still with uh, the university, but in a situation where it's more of an administrative um, and fundraising role and less of an on-field role, but still having that presence, which obviously is always great for recruiting. Do I think he goes to the Cleveland Browns? My Cleveland Browns, led by Baker Mayfield, which, by the way, Rick, I think I <laughs> call Baker to be a
0: stud back there uh, in the draft. Um, he did. I remember that. Yes,
6: so yes, I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> love um, goes- right now. I'm loving it. I mean I, I think he's a perfect fit, perfect for that city, just his mentality, uh, you know, they go get him
7: attitude that he has. He's highly competitive. I think he's perfect for Cleveland. <laughs> I'm loving it so far. Only as a special <laughs> advisor to me. I think if, the, if if he's having migraines now, just imagine. I mean, it's even more stressful in the NFL. So I just don't think that would be the best decision. I mean, we've seen other college coaches have somewhat of success, and then we saw Chip Kelly have an absolute disaster with the 49ers. So maybe as a special advisor or something like that, I don't know. But uh, head coach of the Browns, uh, I think that would be a very poor decision uh, for Urban Meyer.
1: Well, let's have one more thought we'll get from Adam, and then we'll get into these bowl predictions uh, in the few minutes that we have left in this uh, uh, college football segment before we move on to some NFL talk. Uh, But, uh, uh, Adam, uh, we'll we'll start with you you guys. Uh, You guys win today. You think you're going to be in the playoffs. uh, But if Georgia beats Alabama or if Oklahoma beats Texas, it's going to be, I would say, impossible for you, even if you win, for you to get into the playoffs
8: i i would agree i think uh i think if if the only scenario where uh if oklahoma wins is if oklahoma wins in a very very close like one point game and we do a repeat performance of 2014 um it would have to be something similar to i wouldn't say 59 and nothing because that was ridiculous i was in i was in the stands for that game and even when it was happening everybody was in shock that it was happening um it would have to be almost like a 49 to 14 type victory um, to even to even sniff the playoff. Um, but I do think that we win tonight um, pretty handily. I think uh, Dwayne Haskins throws for somewhere around 350 yards. Uh, I think uh, I think Terry McLaurin's going to show out for his last or uh, uh, second, you know, second to last possible to, uh, third to last college football game here in front of his hometown. Um, I've actually seen uh, several Terry McLaurin jerseys around town um, from his uh, from his close friends and family uh, while I was out, but uh, I, I think I think we win pretty pretty handily tonight
1: well let's uh gonna go on the assumption and it certainly don't want to be the rain on the parade but it just seems like there's a lot of obstacles for you to get in the playoffs i'm assuming that you're not but you might uh, i hope that you do if you do we hope that that the best of luck to you but if not i think a very logical place for you guys to land would be the rose bowl ironically enough it's presented by northwestern mutual uh but uh, and you take on washington in the rose bowl on new year's day uh, not a bad uh uh secondary prize if you will
0: no, no, not at all.
8: You know, we had the we had the, the the game last year against USC. Um I I you know, the Rose Bowl is a good consolation prize if you will. Um I do think that uh it, it's going to be uh no matter what whether it's in the playoffs or uh in the Rose Bowl, um this is it for for one year superstar starter Dwayne Haskins, and I think he's going to come out and just uh, he's going to show why he should be the number one pick.
1: Rick, final thoughts on college football playoffs, uh, uh, championship Saturday. We get into some of the bowl predictions.
6: Yeah, it's just right off the bat today. Uh, I guess it's three, four o'clock your time. I, I, I always struggle with the because I'm at Central Time. And <laughs> what time games come on in Eastern? You're in that time, other but, uh,
1: Indiana time, <laughs> yeah, right?
6: <laughs> I'm that little small piece in the southwest corner. It's in Central Time, and I love it, but. uh, the uh that georgia and uh alabama game uh, the worst thing that could happen for uh oklahoma and ohio state today is georgia actually winning that game today cuz alabama's not going to fall out top 4 and uh, if georgia wins that your five, your your playoff four is set then so if you're an ohio state or oklahoma fan you're actually rooting for alabama today
1: yeah that's the crazy thing th- to
6: say but that's the way it is <laughs>
1: Oh yeah, I know absolutely. It's like it's like the other a few weeks ago. Uh, uh, Colts fans were actually rooting for the Patriots uh, just because we needed help for them to beat the Titans. Uh, but uh, Matt, what are your thoughts? Final thoughts? Championship Saturday? Uh, playoffs? Getting these bowl predictions?
7: I think the only chance for a true upset, I think, would have to be that Oklahoma-Texas game. I think Texas, if they could put the clamps down, Kyler Murray, we know they could score against this Oklahoma offense. Uh, Unless Kyler Murray has the game of his life, I have a feeling uh, Texas will find a way to beat Oklahoma today.
1: Well, there's so many bowls to talk about, so we're not even going to attempt to talk about them. And, and, and I'm waiting uh, for the toilet bowl to come out too. So you, you know, maybe that's where IU goes this year. But uh, <laughs> that's right; they're not going to a bowl game this year. That's a whole other station. I know. whole other, Oh, and, and Rick, uh, you uh, will give you your props there. Jeff Braun not going to uh, uh, Louisville, uh, Louisville, Louisville, Louisville. Uh, so we got all that figured out now. So Jeff Braun is good to stay at Purdue for a little bit, a little bit longer. But we we're going to talk about the the new the new year six if you will the big six if we will we talked a little bit about Michigan so I think where we're at now uh, Matt is the, is the Fiesta Bowl which is on January 1st uh, down in uh, Glendale Arizona two at-larges will come together there I would think a logical choice there LSU and UCF what are your thoughts
7: well UCF's got to end up somewhere and remember U- Fiesta Bowl that's where Boise State made their uh, name uh, certainly a couple others have had some decent runs there in the past as well so uh, and UCF has won that game when uh, Blake Bortles played against uh, Baylor. So they have a history there. Uh, it be interesting to see who they draw, though. If it's an SEC team, it could be a tough test. Uh, unless it's an SEC team that, uh, you know, doesn't have anything to play for, has something to play for, it could be an interesting you know, situation. But uh, I'd love to see them get paired up against someone like, say, at Georgia if they get knocked out of the top four.
1: Uh, we'll start with you, Adam. Uh, Adam, uh, the at large, at large, LSU, UCF, uh, Fiesta Bowl. Do you have any other thoughts on that? Well, I,
8: I mean, in that scenario, I, I hate to say it, I can't see any scenario where UCF even makes it a game with the the loss of Mackenzie Milton. Uh, I'm not sure if if you have seen or if listeners have seen uh, his knee injury from a couple weekends ago, uh, Thanksgiving weekend. It was one of the worst injuries i've ever seen um, i know they'll be playing for their quarterback but he was their he was their leader he was the, the the person who made their uh their offense go um and if they go up against lsu's defense led by greedy williams uh the number 1 quarterback by many um in the country i think i think former ohio state quarterback joe burrow would would sneak out uh he, he he'd get enough offense uh to get a W in that situation just because of the Mackenzie Milton uh, injury. If, if if he was healthy, I think it would be a phenomenal game. But without Milton, I, I just can't see a scenario
1: where it's close. Matt, uh, I mean, uh, Rick, you and I both have been on the UCF bandwagon for a couple years. Do they get into the Fiesta Bowl this year?
6: Well, uh, the way it's playing out right now, the projection is a UCF versus Michigan. So, but we're not going to know until I don't know if all the bowl projections the the final uh, bowl games are selected till after to, until tomorrow anyway when all these other games are done because things are going to change after the games today. But with UCF, I am interested in seeing even though Mackenzie Milton is out, they still put up a lot of points against uh, UCF, uh, USF, South Florida. Uh, they played Memphis again today. They beat Memphis by one point earlier in the season. Uh, I, I'm interested in seeing that game and that UCF team. They are, have you. If you've ever sat down and watched them play on TV, they are fast. That is one of the fastest teams I have ever seen. Their speed is ridiculous, and I don't know if uh, – I, I think they have a shot at scoring, putting up a lot of points against Memphis again today, even though they only won that game with McKenzie built by one. I think they boat race Memphis today, and I would like to see, like Matt said, you know, if Georgia loses today, them going, going up against Georgia and finally getting their shot. And, you know, at a big boy team because that's really what I want to see. That speed for UCF versus uh, a high-powered uh, defensive team like uh, Georgia from the SEC, that would be a dream scenario matchup for me anyway.
7: That's the thing, okay. though, that we talk about for UCF, and I'd love to have Adam's take on this is if you are going to consider be it serious consideration for a top-four spot, you have got to bolster up your schedule. You cannot play cupcakes in the non-conference. Now, granted, the American Athletic Association is tougher than most people think, but you have to throw in a Power 5 conference team, say like an SEC team or a Big Ten team in your non-conference play. If Until they do that, I think they're going to have a hard time convincing the College Football Playoff Committee – that uh, they really have a likable cause uh, to be among those top four. They have to have some power wins in there. And when you play teams like they do in non-conference, like an FCS, and then two, like from, say, the Sun Belt or the MAC, you're not going to be able to do it. Yeah.
1: uh, Go go ahead, Adam.
8: For UCF to be successful long-term, they have to schedule like Notre Dame does. I I, I mean, Notre Dame, while this year – Uh, The schedule turned out to be lighter than the past due to some of the unforeseen just uh, fall-offs by programs, you know, like Florida State, for example. They're usually a a juggernaut every year, a powerhouse every year, and this year has been – the last two years have been a struggle for them. But, I mean, UCF and these smaller schools, if they want to be taken seriously, they have to look at Notre Dame the way that they schedule, um, where every week it is a known commodity that Notre Dame plays. Um, because uh, even even without some of those teams being as good as they are in the past, you know, people look down at Notre Dame's record and they're seeing wins over Stanford and Florida State and USC and these these known powerhouses or or, or you know solid programs. That's what has to happen. Um, now, obviously, they, they have the ability to schedule whoever they want since they're independent and UCF can't, but they have to stack that of Conference as best as humanly
1: possible. So let's let's get into uh we got one uh, here. We were talking about Georgia. We were talking about the SEC, so might as well talk about the SEC versus the Big 12. That's the Sugar Bowl. Uh, that's done in New Orleans. It's the Big Easy. A lot of people think that's a Georgia-Texas matchup. We'll start with you, Rick.
6: Yeah, it's just the, how everything plays out this weekend. But uh, if that's a, the the matchup ends up being Georgia and Texas, I actually think, Georgia matches up better with Texas than they actually do with UCF without Mackenzie Milton, as crazy as that, that is the thing. I don't think that'd be much of a game. I think Georgia will roll over Texas. Uh, so I'm kind of just rooting for this Georgia-UCF thing right now that everybody just brought up and got me all excited about.
5: <laughs> Playing <laughs>
6: well,
7: with your emotions. Say with uh, Georgia and with Texas, uh, can they play defense against an SEC power team? And unfortunately, I think the answer to that, just like it would be if this was Oklahoma against Georgia, is a clear and definified no, they can't. So I think if it's uh, Georgia-Texas, I think Georgia wins this game by a bunch.
0: You guys, a lot
1: of people think Oklahoma's going to make it into the playoffs in that number four slot. We'll see what happens. If that happens, that's Alabama and Oklahoma in the Cotton Bowl uh, down in, in Arlington. Uh, Matt, we'll start with you. What are your thoughts on that?
7: Unless Kyler Murray has the game of his life, and I just don't think even that's not going to be enough, uh, Oklahoma's lack of defense just is – as scary, and it's a huge red flag. Uh, If you fire your defensive coordinator midway through the season, and then you expect to stop a team like Alabama, that would be like me uh, challenging Usain Bolt to a 100-meter dash, uh, Tom. I'm not going to win. I mean, there's a no-win situation here for Oklahoma against Alabama. I think Alabama, if this game is anywhere close, uh, I think you've would to be more worried about Alabama's chances in the championship game than uh, saying Oklahoma had a good game. So I think Alabama should win this game easily. If it is indeed Oklahoma that they get in the college football playoffs, which will probably be in the Cotton Bowl.
1: Rick, uh, Capital One Orange Bowl, you guys against Clemson. Thoughts on that possibility scenario?
6: You know, when U.S. when Notre Dame beat USC, uh, I, I saw reports where the Orange Bowl had representatives there in Notre Dame's locker room, and they already signed the deal for that game. And I, I don't know if that is already part of this college football playoff process. I know we think the committee always, like, has these meetings and decides who's going where. Uh, but for some reason, I feel like no matter what happens today, it is going to be at Notre Dame in the Orange Bowl because I think that deal is already done and they haven't got gone public with it yet. So they're going to – I think they're going to stay at number three no matter what else happens today. You know, I think there – it was a – we start off the show saying that if Georgia won – Bama could fly back to three and push Notre Dame down to four. But just because, you know, seeing those reports, how the Orange Bowl committee was already at, at USC and already basically almost signing a deal to have Notre Dame in the Orange Bowl, uh, I think that's already a done deal. Maybe. I I don't know. I don't know how it works. I'm not a behind-the-scenes guy. I'm an outsider. But, uh, well, I
7: know that <laughs> after the game, Jack Nolan on the Notre Dame uh, radio network uh, said that there was an Orange Bowl – a uh, committee member uh, shaking the hand of Brian Kelly before he interviewed him after the victory. So I think this situation would be uh, whether Notre Dame stays in a three or four, they will just move whoever their opponent is to Miami uh, for that right. game. But I don't think it locks them into the three or four spot at this point. But I think they pretty much, uh, if they are in the college football playoff, which we believe they are, they are probably headed to Miami against whoever it's going to be, whether it's going to be Alabama or Clemson. And,
6: and Adam, to answer your you- question, Tom? Just to answer your question, sure. I, I do sure. think Notre Dame matches up really good with Clemson. Uh, Clemson, for some reason, if you look, they do struggle against the pass, teams that can pass the ball. Uh, you know, we saw last week South Carolina, What it was 500, Matt maybe helped me out, 537 yards passing against Clemson last week. Uh,
7: well, the thing is, though, Rick, with the common opponent, the fact that Clemson had their pause with Syracuse and Notre Dame beat Syracuse convincingly, that – is what I believe is the tell that Notre Dame has a significant chance. Now, I'm not going to say they're going to win, but I will say they have a very legitimate chance to put a loss on Clemson and uh, certainly uh, give this some confidence. Remember, with the ACC contract, sooner or later, they got to play Clemson uh, in one of these matchups uh, during the season uh, down the road.
5: Right.
1: We're going, to give the, we're going to give the final word to Adam. Adam, um, we're going to have you just take us behind. Let's, let's say you're a fly on the wall. You're Mr. Invisible Man. You're sitting down with the committee. You come back out and you give us a report. Here's what the report's going to say. The playoff people are. Fill in the blanks and why.
8: Alabama won. Uh, they've proven to be the, essentially the best team all season. Uh, I, I wonder personally, though, about the schedule that they played. I I think the SEC, West especially, uh, is not nearly as good as many people uh, ESPN would like you to believe. Um, uh, Two is going to be Clemson. Uh, I think they're going to roll over Pitt today. Three is Notre Dame. Um, I think the Clemson-Notre Dame game, uh, as Matt said, I really like Notre Dame in that game. I think Jerry Tiller is going to have the game of his life. Um, and I think Ian Brooks can pass for 350, 400 yards against that Clemson defense.
0: Um,
8: and lastly, uh, I think Tom Herman, uh, despite the fact that he's been a, uh, <laughs> a thorn in our side this season, holds the upset on Oklahoma. I think Ohio State slides into the four spot, and we have a rematch of the 2014 Ohio State-Alabama game uh, that was an instant classic.
1: Well, we'll absolutely see. We're going to be glued to it. I'm unfortunately going to miss most of the games this afternoon as I have a company Christmas party uh, today. But, hey, nonetheless, we'll see what happens in that number four slot. We'll, we'll be glued to it. We're going to get into the NFL talk real quickly, guys. Uh, I don't know if you've heard the from Kansas City. Uh, they've released Kareem Hunt. Apparently, he lied about beating up a woman there in Cleveland, ironically there, uh, Adam. Uh, so, you guys have any thoughts on that before we take a break and go into. Um, well, it's all
0: yeah, well to one. These teams are taking
7: these pardon, issues I've, seriously. Only,
1: go, go ahead, uh, Rick, and then you go, Matt.
6: Well, I was just saying uh, the same situation is, is with Tyreek Hill, also. There's no video of it. So, what is the NFL standard here? There has to be a video before anything is done because he's pleaded guilty was well, a year or two ago to the exact same thing. So uh, why Tyree Hill still is on a team that is there in Kansas City, it's beyond me. I
7: don't know what the NFL's uh, rule
6: actually is on domestic
7: violence. Matt, go ahead. Well, I think it shows that some of these teams are starting to take this seriously where talent doesn't get you all the way through. Now, granted, we've seen others slip through the cracks a little bit here but Kansas City uh, loses a lot without Kareem Hunt uh, with their high-powered offense. At least it shows there's some dignity in some areas of the NFL that uh, certain player, it's not just about talent that gets you through. You've got to have maintain discipline, et cetera. Now, granted, Tyreek Hill is still out there, but uh, I think in this case they're making the right decision. Uh, it's similar to what we saw this previous week uh, with what happened with another player of decent ability as well. So, uh, I think it's a good sign for the future right now, but uh, yeah, I think the re- slow reactions to this uh, is the one thing that I had a problem with, and I think a few of them, my colleagues uh, in South Bend, Chicago also had a, colleague, co- a problem with as well.
1: Adam, do you have any thoughts? This happened in Cleveland, uh, but uh, apparently Kareem Hunt be- beats up a woman, lies about it, gets kicked off the team.
8: Yeah, you know this this one's a it, this is a, a really tough situation. Um, I think Cream uh, Hunt, uh, from everything I've heard for the most part, um, is a pretty pretty good dude, pretty uh, upstanding guy. And from the reports that I've heard from people in Cleveland, I actually have a lot of family up there still, um, and a couple uh, family members on the police force in the uh, Columbus and Cleveland areas. Uh, This is a messy situation. Um, The girl had previously tried to uh, assault another female, um, said a lot of profane things, and Kareem Hunt made a really bad decision. Now, I don't by any means condone uh, striking a woman. Um, I do think this is one of those where, as the details come out, um, doesn't make it better. I do think Kansas City made the right decision, but... uh, I I think the NFL has to have, they've got to firm up what um, their rules are around this because it's, it's a complete mess. Nobody knows timetables. Nobody understands really what their, what their process is. Um, I, I, right now I feel for really both sides because, you know, if, if, if Kareem has uh, anger issues, he needs to um, get those taken care of. If, uh, and if this woman is, is, is also picking fights with bigger dudes. She needs to learn how to make better decisions sometimes. Um, it, these are all around – it's it's young people making really dumb young decisions late at night, and as my daddy used to say, nothing good ever happens after 2
1: a.m. Absolutely. Hey, real quickly, we're going to get to the NFL, Chuck. Joining us is a guy that I know you know, Adam – Kyle, Courtney, we're going to talk about these Pittsburgh Steelers. We're going to talk a little bit about the NFL. We are going to merge into that talk. Uh, but, Kyle, you jumped in at the right time. Welcome back to The Balancer. We're talking about Kareem Hunt getting, uh, getting booted from the Kansas City Chiefs for lying about beating up a woman. What are your thoughts?
9: I, I think that the, the biggest concern that I have about the whole, the whole I guess, process behind how the, how the entire uh, matter was handled is that this information was known in February. Um, you, you would think that, in what we would consider a post Ray Rice world at this point, that when there is when there is video evidence of something, while it is while they obviously t- took some effort to to uh, reach out to the hotel and try and receive the footage, reached out to the Cleveland Police Department to try and receive the footage, and said, "Oh, we didn't get any of it." It's, I, I think it's just consistently embarrassing that a a, a news organization like TMZ has more ability and clout and uh, desire to obtain that information than than the NFL. Because, quite honestly, if the information gets out and they can at least contain it, then it looks makes them look like they're actually trying to fix the problem. If in February they were fixing it, but now we're in December at this point, and that's when the information comes out and. It makes everybody around the whole the, whole, the Chiefs organization, the NFL, um, and and Kareem Hunt look really really bad. So, quite honestly, like I appreciate what the Chiefs did. I understand why the decision was made, but it's also it's also kind of feels like a little too late. Um, I think the joke now is that everyone's just waiting for the Redskins to sign them, just like Ruben, just or just sign <laughs> Kareem Hunt, just like they did with Ruben Foster. But I think that there's there's a whole lot of as Adam was pointing out, there's a whole lot that people need to do in order to to really fix this. This is a 14 billion dollar company. Like you should at least have a centralized focus of how you handle these types of situations, which it seems are becoming more and more active, um, just to to put a to put a cap on all of that. Well, we're over, we're over on a break. We've got to
1: take a break. Adam and Rick, are you going to stick around for NFL? I could
9: stick around uh, for a little
6: bit. Okay. I gotta get going.
1: All right, go get your hair cut. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> All right. My up, Mike El Presidente. Myself, uh, Adam Zivadin, and Kyle Courtney will be back. We're going to talk some minute. We'll talk, talk about the Browns and Baker Mayfields. I'm not allowed to push buttons. Uh, <laughs> Baker Mayfield and, and, the, and the Browns and uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, without the bell. We'll see what happens right here on the Balance Radio Network. Tonight.
2: The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom.
3: It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eel, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. See the animals, see live educational shows, feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure.
1: All right, welcome back to the Balance. One hour in the book. Fixing Matthew Embry, Rick, uh, Reagan, and Adam Jividan joining us for some college football talk. Jumping on now is Mr. Kyle Courtney, the one, the only big Steelers fan we go into week 12. Steelers are looking at a, a, a Kyle. Steelers are looking at a completely different season now than what they were at the beginning of the season. What turned around? What happened? And I don't know that you guys really uh, know that Bell didn't even show up this year.
9: Yeah, um, I think that the, the the team kind of started off one, two, and one, um, and and as a result, there was a lot of panic in Pittsburgh, as there often is when there's any sign of discourse within uh, within the team. But uh, they did what they've done the past few years and went on a fairly significant winning streak. Um, I think in Tomlin's last three seasons, he's had a six-game winning streak, a five-game winning streak, and a seven-game winning streak. So it's been they've they've seen these pretty consistent streaks that have that have uh, kind of built them or dug them out of the mud a little bit. Uh, their their offense has been pretty good. Um, there's they probably. Are, are still underperforming a little bit, probably more than they could. Um, James Connor was a welcome addition to the team. I think the, the issues surrounding whether or not Bell was going to show up started to go away after about week four or five when Connor was showing he could be the guy in the backfield. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster took a huge jump um, in it with his second year, as, as people were hoping he would. Uh, Antonio Brown has actually had uh, what would con- people would consider kind of a a um, and a low season for himself. He hasn't had near the amount of targets and and uh, and uh, catches that people are used to seeing him have. People are really trying to take him out of the game, but he's still getting touchdowns. I think he's he's tied. In the NFL right now, with the with the wide receiver touchdowns, pass catcher touchdowns, with like Eric Ebron who's been playing out of his mind, and several and a couple of other people, but he's he the, the team is playing really really well. But it all really kind of falls on Ben's back. Uh, the defense has played significantly better. I think still uh, having not having uh, Ryan Shazier in the middle of the field. Uh, people were a little bit worried about what that was going to look like, and they've really shored up their run defense. So the last couple of weeks, not so much. Uh, that Stefan Tuitt has been hurt uh, on their defensive line, but they've they've played really, really well. Uh, that being said, they have a really tough stretch here uh, for the end of the season. They have uh, the Chargers on Sunday night. They have uh, the Patriots a couple weeks later and then the Saints the week after that. So they do play Oakland and uh, and cincinnati to kind of end their season but but that's three very very tough games in a in an afc division that is getting closer and closer at the top so i would not be surprised to see them with a two seed i would not be surprised to see them with the four seed but i i don't think at this point the ravens are going to be able to catch them in the uh, in the afc north um i'm actually really happy that that uh, we've that the the steelers have played uh, the Browns early on because they are looking like a team that is starting to kind of become the team that people thought they were going to be, as I'm sure Adam will attest to. Uh, But I'm I'm really excited about what the Steelers look like this season. Uh, I will be honest and say that I will not be shocked if in two years from now, the Browns kind of become the toast of the AFC North.
1: Well and we'll see how that plays out and you know Connor thank you for the uh re- recommendation early on about who to pick up on fantasy football he's uh, paid by, he's paid off on that Adam I know you're a Cleveland Browns uh, guy obviously you're a Cleveland Browns Joe is against the Texans uh, I'm going to root for the Browns tomorrow they looked good last week against the Bengals obviously we know we could say it was just the Bengals but a win is a win is a win Liking Baker Mayfield and this Nick uh, uh, Nick Chubb uh uh uh, team up uh, they, they seem to be doing well together uh, Baker's doing well everything uh, seems to be uh, firing on all cylinders unfortunately it's happening happening late I do agree with uh, uh, Kyle you guys keep going in the right direction get yourself with the coach uh, you might uh, be turning things around there it may no longer be the mistake on the lake uh, <laughs> Adam what are your thoughts your Cleveland Browns last week's game against the Bengals this week's game against the Texans
8: yeah, last week, you know, against the Bengals, we raced out to 35 points early in the third quarter, and then just kind of let up off the gas. I think we see that a lot from young teams. Could um, have been a lot worse for Cincinnati if uh, if we if we wouldn't have tried to essentially slow the game or, or you know shorten the length of the game, uh, limit any potential big plays um, or big mistakes. Uh, as far as the Texans game on Sunday, you know, JJ Watt right now is listed as questionable. Uh, Obviously, if J.J. is not playing, that makes it uh, significantly easier Um, on our offensive line. Greg Robinson at left tackle, the former number two overall pick, um, has actually kind of solidified the left tackle position uh, for us, and the line has played significantly better uh, since uh, Hugh Jackson's pet project, Desmond Harrison,
5: uh, was removed
8: from the starting lineup. Uh, You know, I think that the team – Plays now with the, the the kind of swagger and chip on their shoulder that Baker has. Um, it, it's something that that we needed. We needed a, a leader like Baker Mayfield uh, to kind of come in and just tell people, I don't I don't care what you think. Um, we're gonna we're gonna win with you or, or, or without you. And so I think uh, I think I think we're gonna surprise people and, and, and we're gonna see an upset of the Texans. You know, the Texans have been on this winning streak, but they've done it really outside of that Texas game in really unimpressive fashion wins of one, one, three. Um, so I, I could see a scenario where, uh, I think, I think the Texans get out early, um, and Baker brings us back and we have a, a scenario where Baker, um, is, is engineering a fourth quarter comeback and, and, and pulls out the win. Uh, I, I definitely think, uh, this is also going to be a big game where we see some of our uh, bigger players step up. I think Nick Chubb's going to have a good game. I think Jarvis Landry's going to have a good game. I think David Njoku could have a big game. And I would see one to two game-changing plays from uh, number 95, Miles Garrett, um, continuing to continue his ascension up the, uh, the, the, the best defensive ends in the NFL list. <laughs>
1: Well, I know we only got uh, you guys here for a couple more minutes, but I do want to get into the conversation about uh, the Indianapolis Colts. Let's let's uh, not deny the fact. Yes, uh, in full in full disclosure, and they're my favorite team. They're my team, the Indianapolis Colts. I support them, win or lose. But you got to be on the train. You got to get on the bandwagon right now with these Indianapolis Colts. Even though a, a, the reality is that Andrew Luck will not win the MVP. Certainly in the discussions, he's certainly come back. The Colts are back. They've got they're playing. They've very banged up, the confused, the disoriented uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, if the Browns beat the Texans and the Falcons beat the the Ravens and the and the Colts beat uh, Jacksonville, all very good scenarios, very very positive scenarios. Even without Jack Doyle, who's got a, a kidney injury. Uh, uh, ironically, I think it's the same injury that Andrew Luck has. Uh, and so it, it, I'm certain that we're not going to see uh, Jack Doyle back on the field anymore. Uh, this year, but certainly Frank Reich has came in, turned this team around, has has won the locker room, has won the press. I I think you got to give a passing grade on on all points, on all counts. Uh, yeah, there's been some mistakes made this year, and have they could they have done some things better? Did they choke a little bit? Yeah, but overall, I think they are far better positioned than what anybody thought they would be. We'll start with you, Kyle, as we look at the AFC playoff uh, picture. Uh, uh, coming together it's a very real possibility that uh, the indianapolis colts could land a uh wild card spot
9: yeah i think at this point that six feet is really up for grabs um the the colts have been playing really really well i think it's it's really going to be a a a two-man race between them and the ravens at this point it's it's really a matter of how much john harbaugh Uh, trusts Joe Flacco or wants to see what Lamar Jackson has. And and in some cases he may be playing for his job. So there's a whole lot of, there's a whole lot of of question marks around that franchise. I think the Colts are playing out of their mind right now. I think they, when they, when they started off at one and four at the beginning of the season, people were sort of wrote them off and, Oh yeah, this is what we thought was going to happen. If they end eight and eight, people will be pretty okay with it. But they have just come out of the gate firing and beating people and beating people bad and Frank Reich's offensive, I think I think people are now seeing that he was really a lot of the, the brainchild behind what really engineered that uh, Philadelphia offense. He was He was kind of the the guiding force there. I think Doug Peterson got a lot of a lot of uh, credit for that, but it really looks like what we're seeing in in Indianapolis is very similar to to what Philadelphia was able to engineer the last couple of years. And he has brought that team to really believe in themselves, to believe that they can really beat anybody with quite honestly, not a whole lot of offensive talent with a whole bunch of, of people that no one had ever heard of until this year that um, he made Eric Ebron relevant again, after being such a, su- such a complete bust in Detroit. Uh, T Y Hilton is actually having back-to-back consistent games. They have a bunch of, of no name receivers and no name uh, running backs who are consistently getting them, getting them uh, points and making big plays at big moments. It's really impressive to watch, and I would not be surprised to see them get into the sixth seed and be as dangerous out uh, As as if if they're able to get into the playoffs. I think that people are going to be a little bit worried about uh, the Colts.
1: Well, I we just one step at a time, one game at a time. Adam, jump it in. What are your thoughts, the AFC playoff picture, as it's shaping up now? You still can't outrule the, the, the New England Patriots, even though they haven't been playing the way that we expect the New England Patriots to play, but they are, again, winning games and, and checking off boxes in the AFC as well. AFC South, uh, right now it appears that it belongs to the Texans, but a loss to the Browns tomorrow, an, an Indianapolis win, a You know, there's a lot of scenarios here that that could uh, tighten that race in the AFC South. Of course, AFC North, you you, you lie in there. We look at the Ravens. We look at the Steelers. As we look at this AFC playoff picture beginning to take form, what are your thoughts? Adam, are you still with us? Can you hear me now, Tom? Well, I see I can hear you now. Go ahead. <laughs> Sorry, I had you on mute. <laughs> well, um,
8: you know, one of the things that, that, that I think that uh, that we're seeing is how lucky the Colts got that Josh McDaniels decided to to do what he did. Um,
1: I know, you know exactly was right pretty,
8: pretty pissed off when it happened, and now it's like, hey Josh. Thanks for bailing us out, man. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> uh, I, I, I think the Colts are definitely on that trajectory to uh, make some serious noise. They have a lot of cap space um, in upcoming years. They have uh, a great coach who it looks like his players just love playing for the guy. Um, so I, I think this is one of those scenarios where, The Colts are on track a lot faster than anyone ever thought they would be at this point. Um, So, yeah, I do see a scenario where uh, the Colts, I I think, are going to make the playoffs. I think uh, all of those teams, you know, the Ravens have have gotten lucky with the Lamar Jackson experience the last two weeks, playing some pretty struggling teams. (laughs) Um, they're they're gonna at some point they're gonna hit a wall they're gonna hit it several games with that quarter with the quarterback situation whether it's, whether it's Flacco who's the most average quarterback in the league right now uh, or Lamar Jackson I think that the, the the only thing that worries me at this point for the Colts is injuries the the Colts don't have a ton of depth as we saw early when the when the team was, was really banged up you know Marlon Max coming back from a a concussion. Uh, Doyle's out for the rest of the season. And right now, Mo'Ally Cox is hurt as well, who's been kind of that surprise third tight end who had the amazing one-handed touchdown catch uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, Ebron's going to be good. I think the Colts should kind of win easily this week um, with the, the the Jags having to start Cody Kessler. Um, but down the stretch, the the number one thing for the Colts, I know I was watching the Colts game last week and when Darius Leonard went down that first uh, – I was like, oh, crap, oh, crap, that can't happen. Uh, the, you know, the rookie NFL tackling leader right now, he needs to be there. And uh, and so I, I think you're seeing guys start to step up and play better, um, including Anthony Walker, the, the other, the Mike linebacker. Um, I think we're continuing to see good moves out of 1 Lewis, the rookie defensive end from Ohio State. Uh, we're seeing Kenny Moore at corner play uh, get better every week, in addition to Ebron with uh, – Coach Reich just putting him in awesome positions. He uses freakish physical ability. Um, you know, Coach Reich's pushing all the right buttons right now. And I think it's a young team that uh, there's going to be a letdown game at some point. But I think Andrew Luck is good enough as a quarterback to do what he did last week against the Dolphins, which was have a letdown game um, and still engineer fourth quarter comeback and win. So I, I think the Colts are in a great position. And if I am a team, at the top of the conference, there is no chance. I want to be playing the Colts in the playoffs. No chance because they are. You know, we've seen Andrew Luck um, beat teams in the past. Now, will they uh, go to the Super Bowl? Probably not. Um, I would be shocked. But with the Chiefs losing Kareem Hunt, the AFC is wide open now. I would not be surprised even to see San Diego um, make a run at the division. We'll see how well you know how good the Chiefs look and how good Patrick Mahomes looks when you lose arguably the best running back in the AFC and one of the top five in the NFL. So, you know, we'll see what happens over these next few weeks, but the back half of the season is definitely going to be
10: really awesome to watch.
1: Well, absolutely. Adam Jeveden joins us talking a little NFL talk and some Big Ten Championship. We're going to uh, take a break, come back with Mo from the BS uh, Sports Show. Uh, going to be talking some NBA, going to be talking some more NFL, and uh, going to be talking about uh, where to put your money at, where not to put your money at, who to bet on, who not to bet on on Championship Saturday. Adam, we appreciate you joining. You have yourself a great weekend. Go Buckeyes.
8: That's right. Go Bucks. O-H. H. Uh,
1: all right, buddy. We'll talk with you soon. Adam Jetteman joins us, obviously, uh, just a uh, huge Ohio State Buckeye fan. He, he's been on before, and his passion for the Browns and the Buckeyes, we, we love having uh, him on and, and getting him on. Uh, Mo the BS Sports Show joins us. standing by in the balance green room. We're going to get into some NBA talk. Uh, did the Pacers lose one of their key players? We'll talk about that next.
0: Tonight.
2: The Air National Guard, Guarding America, Defending Freedom.
3: It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive-through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure.
1: All right, welcome back to the balance. 90 minutes in the book, 30 minutes left on the play clock. Again, Matthew again, uh, executive producer of the balance, Matthew Embry uh from up in South Bend, Notre Dame country. Uh also Adam Gibden uh talking some college uh, football with us, talking about the Big Ten Championship th- tonight here in Indianapolis, the Ohio State Buckeyes against Northwestern, and uh, certainly uh, threw in some talk there as well. But during us now is Mo from the BS Sports Show. Mo, how is you, sir? Mo, are you with us? Mo, Hello. can you hear us? Yep. Yeah, we got you. Can you hear me? I, yep. I, I, we're we're, we're connecting now. Yay! I love it with modern technology. Woo, does what it's supposed to do. Hey, I want to get to some breaking news uh, on a couple stories, and then we'll get into some of these college football games on on a championship Saturday uh, and some other things. But certainly one of the biggest news here in homeland here in Indianapolis, the Indiana Pacers lose Victor Owen Depot indefinitely. Now I'm hearing uh, I'm hearing uh, split reports where they're saying that it's not as bad as one may think. That he just needs to get in shape and he'll be back sooner than later. And then we're hearing that word indefinitely. And whenever we hear the word indefinitely, we don't know what's happening. Obviously, a knee injury to Victor Owen Depot. Uh, this is going to be a huge hit if he's not able to return anytime soon to the Indiana Pacers.
10: Yeah, I mean, it, it will be as far as this season goes, but maybe at the end of the day, not uh, not terrible as far as getting a decent draft pick. But, yeah, I mean, uh, in, some Pacers beat writers have written indefinitely, and, and Adrian Wojnarowski from ESPN wrote uh, – you know, not not as long as some people think, uh, because there's no structural damage to the knee, and that uh, you know they expect him back within uh, you know a week or two, and and uh, you know Woj tends to be right on most stuff, so it's hard not to believe what he's saying. So hopefully, uh, the best case scenario is you know a week or two.
1: I want to get your thoughts of, of the news breaking out in Kansas City. Uh, yeah, on one end, it's very despicable that that the NFL has gotten to the point that it has. And, and you wonder how how long did the Kansas City Chiefs sit on this? How long did the NFL sit on this? I, I don't know, but it, it certainly it doesn't pass the smell test to me. Kareem Hunt gets kicked off the team for beating up a woman back in February. Uh, no excuses for it whatsoever. Uh for whatever his reason is, there's no justification to ever put your hands on a woman. Uh, so the the chiefs did the right thing, but it took them long enough to do it. And I almost think that they were hiding it until the point when they couldn't hide it anymore. I also kind of think that the NFL knew about it. If the chiefs knew about it, and they didn't do anything about it, I I think we're looking at some serious repercussions that should come down from the NFL as far as sanctions goes, uh, draft picks, and what have you, uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs, Uh, if they knew about this and they they did nothing about it, especially in light of everything that we've seen with domestic violence with the NFL. Well,
10: I mean, both the Chiefs and the NFL knew about this before the season started. Uh, It it was an incident that happened, but no charges were filed. And – it, it's very similar of the Ray Rice case. You know, Ray Rice, it looked like he was going to be able to come back and play again, and then the video came out. And that's what, what turned this whole story. So yeah, both the NFL and, and the Chiefs uh, both knew about this. There's quotes from uh, Chiefs front office personnel uh, saying, you know, that uh, at the time that you know char- no charges were going to be filed, and you know it, it was what it was. So uh, yeah, both knew about it for a while, and now when video services, uh, just the same as it did in the Ray Rice case, then then it becomes despicable in the minds of a lot of people, and it's too much for the Chiefs or the NFL at that point, so they had to suspend him. But once video became available uh, is when things got uh, things got really bad for Kareem Hunt last night. So, yeah, it's a, it's a situation where both the NFL and the Kansas City Chiefs both knew about the incident.
1: Well, then that's, that's a black eye for both of them because here's the thing. If they knew about it, even though there was no charges filed, uh, that kind of goes back to the whole uh, Urban Meyer scandal, if you will. Urban Meyer, Meyer apparently knew about one of his coaches uh, that was beating up a woman, but, uh, again, apparently no charges were fired, fi- uh, filed, Sorry, uh, but yet everybody looked bad at Urban Meyer for, for turning the other cheek. Uh, that's problematic, then, if that's the case. You got to wonder why does there have to be video evidence presented to the public before either sides do appropriate actions uh to me it was a despicable act as as talented as Kareem Hunt is on the field you cannot have that kind of stuff going on and allow it and to turn your back to it is it's just another despicable act on another and a lot of times they say the cover up. Is that you, Mo? <laughs> The A lot of times they say the uh, the cover-up is, is worse than the actual event. Sometimes you just got to take the ownership of what happened and, and deal with it. Now, that I you know what's happened with Kansas City Chiefs at like Kareem Hunt. There's another player out there that might fit in there pretty snugly right now, especially as the AFC uh, playoff picture begins to take place. I would think that the Kansas City Chiefs are uh, ringing the bell, if you know what I mean.
10: Uh, well, Le'Veon Bell can't play for any other team this season since he didn't report to the Steelers, so that's, it. can't be traded, can't play, uh, but Spencer Ware, who has been a, you know, pretty capable backup, will play for the, uh, for the Chiefs, and, uh, which is great in fantasy if you were paying attention last night and picked him up like I did in our league as well, <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh,
10: but I mean, the big question, honestly, Tom, in this whole situation will come down to, uh, when did the NFL and the Kansas City Chiefs see this video? Or had they seen it previously, or did they know that there was a video? Same in the Ray Rice thing. It's like a repeat of that. When did they know about the video? When did they see the video? Uh, and, and did they wait till the public reaction to to do, make a move? So that's – I think it'll come down to did they make the same mistakes as the Ray Rice thing, except for this time the, they put him right on the exempt list and the Chiefs cut him. They didn't just suspend him for two weeks. So uh, as we move forward, we'll see what that goes. But for the Chiefs, I mean, I think they'll be finding you know, a Kareem Hunt's talented – and don't be shocked if another team picks him up. You know, don't be surprised if he doesn't join the uh, the Washington team. They seem to uh, to be okay with picking up guys who be
1: we literally just said that a few minutes ago On the show, we literally just said that exact Same thing, that's funny uh, No, it's not funny, but it's funny that you said that So uh, here we go, championship Saturday, obviously uh, If you're a betting man, which I am and Which you are, and you're better at it than I am That's why you're the expert on the show uh, But certainly uh, we look at the college Football playoff implications That, that can happen uh, as far as That number four slot, whether or not uh, Oklahoma, Ohio State, or Georgia gets in uh, We'll see what happens between this Georgia and Alabama game, but let's start from the top. You've got Texas and Oklahoma. It's got to be, a, as, as, even though they're ranked completely uh, different between 14 and five, Oklahoma uh, is, is, is knocking at the door. They want to be in the playoffs. They've got to have this win. I don't know that a win you're in because you still got to look at the Georgia and Ohio State scenario. But if you're a betting man and you're looking at Texas and Oklahoma, I'm sorry I don't have the spread here uh, with me right now, but what are your thoughts on that game?
10: Well, I mean, I think, I think I like Oklahoma in the game. It's a rematch from a game earlier this year, which Texas pulled out. Uh, what's crazy about this game is the whole uh, the fact that the Big 12 ruled that the uh, Oklahoma Sooners can't do the horns down. Uh, it'll be a penalty, but yet,
0: you know, <laughs> the and they, can,
10: they, can, yeah, and they can throw the horns up, and somehow that's not taunting. So uh, that'll be a fun thing to watch. But, you know, it's funny that both Ohio State and Oklahoma could win today and still not make it in. That's the uh, intriguing part of this game. I think Oklahoma needs to win the game. Uh, the other, you know, side note is is that, you know, within two years, uh, Tom Herman, the Texas head coach, has returned to Texas to a uh, Big 12 championship game, which, you know, he was hired to do there. So, you know, he's got the uh, Longhorns making strides, and, you know, their power starting to show again just by the fact they were able to get the Big 12 to, you know, tell Oklahoma they can't do this. So Texas is starting to return uh, and gain uh, their power back again in the Big 12.
1: So, you know, this Big 12 team uh, – I- Vision, if you will, the committee doesn't like it for whatever reason. They would rather have a uh, Big Ten team in the in the in the playoffs than than the a Big Twelve. For whatever reason they have, their own reasons. We could speculate it all day long, but they're going to look for whatever reason they can to not put Oklahoma in to put Ohio State in. Ohio State plays Northwestern. Uh, we we've seen a mediocre team of North of Ohio State. We talked about this earlier. Uh, on paper, you would think that that it could be a matchup. Uh, I mean, it could be a, a blowout, if you will, from Ohio State Buckeyes. But Northwestern didn't get to the championship games by losing games, so they certainly know what they're doing. They're a powerhouse in the Big Ten. Big Ten championship game tonight right here in Indianapolis. Ohio State Buckeyes, a lot on the line for them. Northwestern uh, Wildcats, what are your thoughts? Well, you
10: know, this is the type of team, though, that uh, that uh, Ohio State struggled with this year. It was some struggle with Maryland. Uh, you know, obviously struggle at, at Purdue, and this Northwestern team, it, Northwestern team, is very much like the, those two teams, and so this could be a game where we do see uh, Ohio State struggle. You know, and and they uh, they played a perfect game last week. I mean, let's be honest, they they flat out played a perfect game, and can they do that again this week? Can that same defense show up? Because that's one of the things this year that's hurt Ohio State has been the defense. Can they get the running game going again, which they've struggled with all year long? And so if uh, if not, this could be uh, more of a dogfight than we thought. You know, we saw Ohio State a couple of years ago come in and blast and shut out uh, Wisconsin and get into this. But last year they had a, a loss to a bad team, you know, midway to later through the season and didn't get in. So, uh, you know, again, this is a, another one of the scenarios where they could win and they could flat out still not make it because you talked about the committee not wanting to put a Big 12 team in. I think the committee would be happy if they could put four SEC teams in this thing. So, Uh, the fact that if Georgia and Alabama play a close game, uh, both of those teams could stay in the top four with Clemson and Notre Dame. So it's very possible that everybody could win the games they're supposed to and still not make it in, which is what I'm hoping for.
1: Well, we always kind of root for chaos in this type of scenario. So let's let's talk about some chaos here. Georgia beats Alabama. uh, Northwestern beats Ohio State. uh, And uh, Pittsburgh beats Clemson. That creates some uh, chaos.
10: Well, you know, what happens is if, if, uh, you know, let's say Ohio State loses, let's say Georgia loses, uh, let's say Oklahoma loses, it's very possible that Michigan could work their way back into the number four spot if Georgia gets blown out. So, you know, don't count the big 10 yet. just because, uh, you know, Ohio State would make lose. You know, there's still a possibility that you could see a team like Michigan or UCF climb right back up into the top four uh, should that scenario happen. So, you know, if
0: things
1: could play out to be a very fun day today in college football. Well, the the, the uh, road is paved for UCF. Obviously, they play Memphis. I don't see much of a danger it for them. So uh, there there might be that far fetched uh, scenario, but uh, we'll we'll see uh, what happens. That's for sure as we get uh, closer to the playoffs uh, committee. Uh, so let's go into we're going into week twelve in the NFL. We'll start here in our backyard. The Indianapolis Colts uh, play. a very confused, disoriented, and, and beat up Jacksonville Jaguars on the road. They are on fire, uh, and certainly there's a lot of scenarios here. Uh, that if if Cleveland can find a way to beat the Texans, uh, if uh, if Atlanta beats Baltimore, and we beat Jacksonville, there's a scenario for you there, right there, uh, where we where we could. Uh, Cement or get close to cementing that number six spot, or get into the wild card. Uh, we are definitely in the wild card race.
10: Yeah, I mean, you know, for sure the, the Colts have looked great and continue uh, to win football games. And you know, the uh, a lot of folks this week who are Colts fans were happy that Blake Bortles isn't playing. But you know, last time Cody Kessler stepped in, he played a pretty good game for Jacksonville when when Blake Bortles was benched. And I know a lot of folks this week were happy that Leonard Burnett suspended and not playing, but. Let's be honest. T.J. Yeldon's killed the Colts, so I don't think uh, Colts fans can just sit back and say, "Oh, this is a you know uh, an easy win for the Colts." Because I, I don't know that that's the case, but uh, it's definitely a football game they can win and should win. And uh, you know, Cleveland they play, uh, they do their job in, in Houston. This could be a Colts team that not only is looking for a wild card spot, but maybe got a chance to catch Houston. Well,
1: that would be fantastic. Absolutely. Well, let's take a look at. Uh, did you watch Thursday night's game against the Saints and the Cowboys? I don't know, man. As much as I don't like to 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 root for the Cowboys, the Cowboys showed us a lot on Thursday night, coming out and beating a, a very strong Saints. Uh, the the Cowboys are showing us that hey, uh, they they want to be playing in Atlanta this year.
10: Yeah, I mean the one thing though is that you know let's be honest, New Orleans didn't press hard in the second half. At that point, they, it was a football game. They probably could have come back and won, but. I think at that point they were just trying not to get guys hurt.
5: Uh,
10: yeah, I mean, Dallas, when, when the defense shows up and, and Dak Prescott doesn't have to carry the football team, the offense doesn't have to carry the football team, uh, you know, they, they can win football games. And, and they have the right game plan coming in there and the fact that, you know, they wanted to keep Drew Brees off the field. And you got a high-powered offense. you definitely want to keep the quarterback off the field. And Dallas did that. I don't know that they're a team that I would consider uh, putting my money on down the line in the playoffs. But, you no, they're definitely a team that's uh, – that could uh, throw a monkey wrench into uh, everything come playoff time.
1: The Giants are starting to show a little bit of improvement. Uh, The Chicago Bears are showing a lot of improvement. Chicago Bears are at the Giants. What are your thoughts?
10: Well, it's going to be a game that's going to be downright uh, ugly to watch, I'm assuming, because Chase Daniel will start again for the Chicago Bears. uh, and, And Eli with that Bears defense, when Eli and the Giants have played Defenses this year that uh, have really, you know, put in pressure on the quarterback, he's not been great. So, uh, you know, it's a defense. It'll be fun to watch Saquon Barkley trying to take on this defense as well. Uh, can the Bears score enough offense with Chase Daniel in there uh, to win the football game? So, it'll probably be a reminiscent of the Thanksgiving game against Detroit where it'll just be an ugly game.
1: Uh, we've got uh, Arizona and Green Bay. Green Bay is really struggling. Uh, obviously, we saw them struggle again last week against uh, Minnesota, uh, a rivalry team there. Uh, they they. You would think that their head coach is on the way out, uh, but what are your thoughts? The Green Bay Packers just can't seem to uh, figure it out this year.
10: Well, I mean, Green Bay's a team that's got the same record as the Cleveland Browns right now, and who would have thought that earlier in the year? Uh, you know this Arizona team, though, let's be honest, is not good. Uh, so it, it should be a way for Green Bay to get uh, get their mojo back. But uh, you know, it, I would assume that Mike McCarthy's on his way out uh, at this point, like you said. And uh, it, it it's got to be a, a heck of a role that Green Bay's got to get on to make this not a lost season. So it'll be fun to see what uh, happens there. But this should be an easy win for Green Bay against Arizona.
1: Panthers and Buccaneers.
10: Weird game. Uh, Panthers are a team that should be better. They've, you know, they've kind of hit the skids the last couple of weeks. Uh, they've got all the talent to be a really good football team. It'll be interesting to see if that uh, that team returns. And the Bucks, you know, you you never know week to week. They're a very Jekyll and Hyde team. They're a team that can pour on some points to keep in games, and they're a team that can just look terrible at times. Uh, I guess it depends on which Jameis Winston shows up this week. Uh, and can they continue to try to run the football? Uh, so it'll be a, a, a weird game. It's a, one of those games that just screams, don't don't play this game. Don't put your money on this game.
1: Rams are on fire. I don't see any way or anything here other than them flying across the country to Detroit that will contribute to a loss, uh, the Rams and the Lions.
10: Yeah, I mean, the Lions have been terrible. Uh, Matthew Stafford has, has looked like he regressed a bunch this year they've taken pieces away from them as well. And imagine how fast and how fun this Rams offense is going to look on this turf uh, come Sunday. So I'm looking forward to watching uh, the Rams play in Detroit uh, on the turf. It should be a lot of fun to watch Todd Gurley just tear uh, this uh, Lions defense apart.
1: I want to get into some NBA talk here in just a second, but uh, Ed wasn't able to join us today. But tomorrow, uh, I mean my, Monday, I'm sorry. The Redskins and the Eagles. The Redskins could uh, give the the Eagles a run for their money. They're they're suffering a, a, a Super Bowl hangover. However, however, that said, uh, Eagles a uh, win and and uh, maybe that hangover is starting to go away.
10: Yeah, I mean you got to feel bad for the Redskins who lost uh, Alex Smith uh, to a horrific injury. Uh, and it could be, you know, for good. We'll have to wait and see. But, you know, it's a team that, uh, you know, when you a lot of times you said, hey, who's uh, who's leading the NFC East? The I think your last choice would have been the Redskins. But, uh, you know, the, the Eagles uh, were able to come back last week and hopefully they can get things turned around. Uh, you know, you wonder if Carson Wentz is yet 100%. Uh, you know, the Eagles have tried to figure out that running game after injuries. Darren Sproles has said he'll play Monday night. Uh, he's going to return, which will help out. Uh, as Josh Adams uh, the former Notre Dame kid has become the clear it looks like number one in the running game there Uh, and you know the defense which was so good last year has not been great this year Uh, so uh, but Washington hasn't been a team that's been able to score a lot of points either so I think if you shut down Adrian Peterson uh, on Monday night I don't know that Colt McCoy's arm is going to beat you but that's if you're the defense what you hope that uh, you can do so I think this is an Eagles win Uh, I get it you know too bad for the Redskins at this point. To, uh, you know, be having a, a pretty decent season, and lose their quarterback, but I think the Eagles get it done Monday night.
1: Well, let's get into some NBA talk. We'll start with the Indiana Pacers, as we talked a little bit earlier about Victor Oladipo being being gone. Uh, it, well, we'll say indefinitely, or maybe not as much. They're struggling in other areas. Um, the Pacers are. There's still a lot of time. We still have plenty of time, uh, but obviously we're dealing with, with the Celtics in the East, but um, the Pacers just seem to be nothing to get that – I guess maybe we're comparing it to last year, uh, to play last year as we've talked about before, but the Indiana Pacers, what are your thoughts?
10: Well, I mean, you got to look at – you know, you try to compare it to last year, and I think that's unfair just for the fact that if you if you're just comparing it to their – Playoff run against the the games against the Cavs and LeBron James is that, you know, Bogdanovich played out of his mind in those playoffs, and you know he's not a guy who's going to do that for you every single night throughout an eighty-two game season. Uh, you know, I think it, it feels like Miles Turner regressed a little bit to me. I think Sabonis is the guy who should be starting at this point. Uh, you know, and and let's be honest, you know. The addition of Tyreek Evans is good, a guy, another guy who can score and get his own shot. But the Pacers don't have a lot of those guys, other than Oladipo and Tyreek Evans, who plays a lot with the second unit. So, um, you know, the Pacers are still another another really good player, almost superstar away from being a real contender, uh, I think. You know, it, they'll be a nice probably playoff spot, four or five, but they, they need to attract somebody uh, to Indianapolis to play alongside Victor Oladipo. And I think the more that the Pacers can, you know, win and, and put that up, uh, put wins up on the board and do well in the playoffs, that that hopefully will attract uh, a big-time free agent to town. Or they're going to have to make a trade to bring somebody in to help uh, Victor Oladipo. Maybe, uh, maybe look at moving on from a guy like Miles Turner uh, at some point because of, uh, of Sabotas' play. So uh, there, there are some pieces that still need to be fit. It's a fun team. Uh, they definitely play up-tempo. Uh, and you could tell the last few games that Victor played that, that you know obviously his he wasn't didn't have that that springy first step, and for a guy who also plays tries to play very good defense that's tough uh, on a guy. Uh, so yeah, I mean the Pacers are have hit a little bit of a skid, but I think it's unfair to to try to compare them to last year's playoff team.
1: You know, it's early in the season, but we're, to, we're starting to see some coaches on the hot seat. Let's start with the Washington Wizards. Uh, uh, they, they certainly were well behind. The, the, he had the full support of the franchise with the team's one-and-five start. Uh, uh, but now, a month later, the Wizards are looking to uh, maybe do a uh, uh, shake-and-bake. It might be on the verge of a total reset that could involve dealing multiple players uh, and taking and removing Brooks uh, from his position. Uh, is Scott Brooks the right man for the Washington Wizards?
10: It, I guess it depends on which way they want to go, if they're going to blow it up and do a, a bring in a bunch of young players, and he might be, uh, just for the fact that he did it well when he was in Oklahoma City. Uh, it just Again, it depends on what they want to do. I think John Wall has created a bunch of issues there at that point. But this could be a chance. You know, We talked about the Pacers need to bring in somebody to play alongside Victor Oladipo. Bradley Beal uh, and Victor Oladipo yes, mm-hmm. as your backcourt would, would, would be phenomenal. Uh, the, the question would be, what do you have to give up? And if you had to give up Miles Turner to get Bradley Beal, I'd do that all day. So, uh, you know, that could be a spot where the Pacers could benefit from the Washington Wizards. Again, it's going to depend on, on what they decide to do. Are they going to blow the team up and start over? If they're going to keep John Wall as their, and Bradley Beal as their core, uh, it might be time to move on from Scott Brooks.
1: Bradley Beal, certainly he's, he's one that we would want to talk about. You know, that overtime victory over the Houston Rockets back in November, uh, a few days ago, I should say, uh, the Washington Wizards' uh, Bradley Beal shows that he wants to, play somewhere that's going to win. And I, w- I would think the Pacers would, would certainly uh, want to talk to Bradley Beal. So that's that's a good thing that you would bring him up. John Wall, what are your thoughts about John Wall? There, he Also with the Wizards, uh, uh, thoughts on him staying or going?
10: I think uh, if you blow it up, he definitely winds up going as long as you can find somebody to take him. You know, everybody in the league is a guy, is a, somebody who's interested in Bradley Beal. The, the Wizards really want you to take John Wall because he's caused, you know, some problems and he's he's owed a ton of money. Uh, You know, and that's a guy that definitely the Pacers should stay away from. You know, even if he is available, he's uh, often injured. Uh, He's become a little bit of a crybaby the last couple of years, and he's had a ton of money. So hopefully the Pacers don't make that mistake of taking John Wall because the price tag is too high on Bradley Beal. But Bradley Beal is the coveted asset of that team. So, uh, but uh, from what I've heard, teams around the league uh, who've called out Bradley Beal uh, that they've tried to have John Wall pushed off on him, and I don't think that that's a move that most teams want to make.
1: Final uh, a few final thoughts here. Obviously, uh, you covered Cleveland. You covered the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, this year. They they cut ties with with Tyronn Lue, uh, which was a well needed uh, thing to do. They don't have King James anymore. Clearly, the East belongs to the Celtics. Uh, but you got to look farther up the chain with the, with the Cleveland Cavaliers. They might want to start cleaning house, and, and Colby Altman might be uh, might be a might be out. Might be looking for another job soon. Well.
10: The fact, though, that Kobe Altman got uh, two draft picks for Kyle Clover is downright amazing. Uh, you know, he's put in a bad position, let's be honest. You know, he he's put in a position to where all of a sudden your moneymaker, you know, left town. So, I mean, you know, that part's not his fault. You know, he would be the one that takes the fall, but at the end of the day, Dan Gilbert is the reason that LeBron James is no longer in Cleveland. It's nothing else but that. Uh, the relationship soured again, and, and trust me, had LeBron come back to Cleveland, he wanted to come back to Cleveland the whole time. But coming back to Cleveland, if Dan Gilbert hadn't been the owner, LeBron James would still be a Cleveland Cavalier. So, uh, you know, Kobe Altman will be the guy ultimately to take the fall. But you know, Kobe Altman's also a guy who doesn't make a ton of money. If you look at GMs in the NBA, and Dan Gilbert is very cheap a lot of times when it comes to his front office. You know, Dan Gilbert's also the guy that got rid of the GM that, uh, you know, help put together their championship team. So, uh, you know, Kobe Altman probably sticks around just because he's paid so little. Uh, and, you know, if you remember last time when they were doing their GM search, so many guys turned them down uh, for that job uh, just because of the uncertainty of LeBron James. And I don't know what GM would want to come into a rebuild at this point. Uh, you know, and for last weekend, the Cavaliers kind of forgot their mission. They started, you know, beating teams. They beat the, you know, the Rockets uh, and, and they beat a couple other teams and, and one, you know, three straight. So, they got back to the losing ways last night against Boston, and it, uh, hopefully they uh, they keep that intact.
1: We're talking about the Cleveland Cavaliers also, Larry Drew, is he safe?
10: Uh, through the end of the year, he is. I don't know about uh, about next year, but through the end of the year,
1: he is, yeah. So we don't know about next year then, huh? Still with us? Mo, can you hear us?
0: yeah, sorry are you there?
1: I don't know okay you yep, I don't know if something funky's going on well, real quickly, one more final thought on the team here, uh Gar Foreman, or the odds that the Chicago Bulls are moving on from general manager Jar foreman uh, would also result in the club replacing vice president of basketball operations, John Paxton. What are your thoughts?
10: uh, you know Paxton's been there for a long time, you know, and he's found a way to to weasel himself uh, into a little hole and stay he's like uh a cockroach, so, you know, there's times when he should have been out of there and, gone, <laughs> and he's found a way to stay. So, um, you know, and they're in a weird spot. They're in the middle, uh, you know, they've got some some exciting young players, but they're also in the middle of a rebuild and they don't really have that the superstar that stands out. You know, they've got some fun players to watch, but, you know, it's going to be all about attracting some stars to Chicago, which is, you know, crazy because you look back, that's been a market that a lot of people wanted to play in and play for. Uh, You know, you go back from, uh, you know, Jordan Pippen to Derrick Rose, Uh, you know, it's crazy to think that they don't have a marquee star. You know, uh, Zach Levine's fun to watch, but they've got to bring in, uh, uh, you know, some established superstars there uh, as well. So, uh, yeah, Garth will probably be out, but I'm sure John Paxson will find his way to still, you know, be there once all the dust clears.
1: Mo for the BS Sports Show's uh joined us today. Appreciate you uh, taking some time to talk with us. Where can people find you working your masterpieces, sir?
10: Uh you can follow me on Twitter at Mo Radio Show. Oh, brother, you too.
1: All right. Moe from the BS Sports Show. I forgot to wish him happy birthday. His birthday was this week. I totally slipped that. Sorry about that. Mo. happy birthday to you, sir. Well, that's going to wrap it up. We're going to put a bowl on it. Thank you to Matthew Embry uh, from up in South Bend, giving us a call to talk to him. Uh, Notre Dame College Football. Rick Riggin, uh, executive producer of The Balance. Also, uh, thank you to Adam Gibbettin and Kyle Courtney, uh, giving us a call. Of course, Mo from the BS Sports Show. My name is uh, Tom Marquisele Presidente. Remember, uh, don't drink and drive. I hope you all have a great Uh, great week, try to stay dry if you will Uh, and uh, we'll we'll, uh, wrap it up and put a bowl on it here as soon as I can find the right button to push (laughs) I'm out of here, deuces, see you next Saturday right here on the Balance Radio Network